manger. Boy, I tell you what, that worship part's what got me. Amen. That worship part, glorifying God, glorifying Him for what He has done. Listen, this song says our God is an awesome God. You know, when I'm broke, I need to understand that He's rich. When I'm fearful, I need to understand He's powerful. When I don't know what's going on, I need to understand He knows everything. Our God is an awesome God. Don't get your eyes on your circumstances. Say, but under the circumstances, what are you doing under them? God is all powerful. He says, in this world ye shall find much trouble and tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. Give him praise and glory. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. One lady came to D.L. Moody and said, I have found a great verse. It says, when I am afraid, then will I put my trust in him. He said, ma'am, I've got a better one out of Isaiah. It says, I will trust in him and fear not. Amen. Fear not. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Hallelujah. We better sing and I'm going to preach. Hallelujah. Sing with all your might as we sing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome Bibles. Take your Bibles while they're finding their place. I want you to go with me to the New Testament. I want you to go in confidence. I want you to go this morning believing that God is going to speak to your heart. I believe God knows our need. I believe with all my heart God's well able to meet it. I want you to go in your Bible. to Listen, over to the New Testament to two places. I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Then I want you to go to Philippians. Chapter number 4. Our God is in control. Wall Street's not in control. Broad Street's not in control. Listen, I want you to understand the White House is not in control. The Senate and the State House is not in control. My Bible says everything's all right in the Father's house. He is still on the throne and He knows what's going on. Amen. That's good. He's still on the throne and knows what's going on. Amen. Amen might become a Christian rapper. Hallelujah. M.C. Hammer. No, that's taken. Amen. I can't. 
No, oh, that won't work. Amen. Josh, that was already taken, wasn't it? Amen. MC Hammer, I can't do that one. First Timothy chapter number 6, in verse number 6. And then, I want you to turn over with me to the book of Philippians chapter number 4. Uh, we're going to just hold your finger over there in Philippians chapter number 4. We're going to read just three verses here in First Timothy, and then uh, swap over there uh, real quickly this morning. If you have found your place, say amen. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Well, we learned that from the book of Job, didn't we? Job said, Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul goes on to say, having food and raiment. The word raiment there is covering. You could apply this not only to the shirt on your back, but the roof over your head. Having food and raiment, let us be there with, what's that word? Content. Let's flip over to uh, Philippians chapter number 4, and, and then we'll begin reading in verse number 10. Philippians 4, verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Uh, Paul is telling the Philippian church, he said, your, your love offerings are coming through now. Uh, it, 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 listen, you, are, you have started that up again, and you tried before, but you didn't have opportunity. But I thank God that your supply to me is coming through. But then watch what he says. Not that I respect, or not that I speak in respect of want or lack or that I am in great need. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, what's that word? I know both how to be abased and I know how to, be, to, to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Read verse 13 with me. Read it again. Read it again. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. God, I praise you that you're in control. Now, Lord, there's a pile of people in here this morning that needs to understand that. Lord, there's a pile of people, including myself, that needs to hear from you right now. God, these people, they don't need to know what I know about the Bible. They need to know that I've heard from you, and I have. And I pray that you'll make that evident here this morning. I pray that you'll anoint your word, anoint your speaker, not because I deserve it, because surely I don't, but because I need it. And Lord, they need it. They need an anointed message right now. God, I pray as they're praying for me, Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say, Lord, I pray that you'll, Lord, anoint my heart and my mind that I'll preach your word with power, with an unction from on high. I pray in Jesus' name right now, Lord, that you'll bless the ears, open their hearts and minds that they can understand your word today. God, we'll give you the glory. We'll give you the praise. Lord, we'll adore and worship you this morning. Thank you for what you've already done. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I, I want to I start with kind of a, uh, a, a disclaimer this morning. I want everybody to understand 
There ain't nobody in this building that likes Christmas as much as your preacher. I like Ho, Ho, Ho. I like Santa Claus. I like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I like eggnog and, and, and Grandma got run over by the reindeer. I like all that stuff. I like the lights. I like the presents. I like getting presents. I'm not going to sit here and try to be humble and say, that stuff doesn't do anything for me. It does a lot for me. I like unwrapping presents. I need to witness somebody. I like it. I like it all. And good to see you, Brother Mickle, in the house. I understand you got to look down for the surgery. How many of y'all glad Brother Mickle's back with? Had eye surgery this week. Amen. Amen. Listen, I like everything about it. I do. I like, I like the songs. I like the music. Uh, 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 oh, come all ye faithful. Uh, uh, holy night and, and silent night and all that. I like all that stuff. But you know what? I'm afraid. I'm afraid with all of that, we have been tricked, we have been deceived, we have been pulled into thinking something that really shouldn't be, and that's what I want to talk about today. I know, listen, I know, I can, I can, I can feel it when the, when the service started, I can feel it when I go uptown, I can feel it when I'm around people, I know that there is something in the air, there is a discouraging spirit in the air, there is a place, listen, where people right now, because of the economy, because of what's going on, because of what you see on TV, we're bombarded every single minute, every single hour. Listen, with the Internet, with what you see on TV, it is a depressing thing. If you look at all that, it will throw you in a depression. And I know we've got people in our church right now that has lost their jobs, has been laid off, and things have gone. We've got many people, not just one or two, but we've got many. And this week I was praying, and, and I was saying, Lord, Give me something, Lord. I need something to let them know that. Uh, and, and, and in my mind, in my thinking, I, I was saying, Lord, I need a message that's going to help them get more money. I need something that's going to help them uh, uh, get what they need so they can have a good Christmas. Have a good Christmas. Lord, it's Christmas time. Why does this stuff always happen at Christmas? Man, it's Christmas time. Boy, the more I begin to study and the more I begin, I said, Lord, you're, 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 you're guiding the way that I, that's not really what I want to do today. He said, you're really not in charge. And man, I begin to study. I begin to study right there, right there in Luke. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says that they came to an end. And the end turned them away because there was no room in the end. It could be. It could be, it may, you know, you know, when there may be places there's no room till you show them enough money. And that was something they didn't have. He was born in a lowly manger. You say, how do you know they were poor? Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that when a man child is born, they are to bring a lamb and a turtle dove. But if you could not bring a lamb, in other words, if you were poor, if you did not have the financial ability to bring that lamb, you were to bring two doves or two pigeons you know what mary brought two pigeons you know what that tells us they were dirt poor when 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 the disciples uh when one came to them said man we have found the messiah it's jesus it's the one from nazareth one said man can any good thing come out of nazareth such a lowly place man i got to thinking all of this stuff, all that we get hyped up about and, and worked up about, about Christmas. And you know what? Jesus didn't have anything to give but himself. Man, I begin to, I begin to study and read and study and read. And I promise you this. I was under such great conviction over what the truth that God was trying to teach me. 
we have, we, and I like, and I've, I've made fun of people that talked about this, and I say made fun of, I say, oh, we don't have that problem. It's not that big a deal. It's, you know, but we have so turned Christmas into a materialistic idolatry. And we get the feeling that if we can't get this and we can't get that and we can't buy this present and this gadget and that toy and this and this, then we're not anybody. Come on, y'all. And then we get in a depression. And you know what? God is sitting up there. Whose birthday is this anyhow? Boy, God began to tell me. He said, son... It's not a better job. It's not a bigger bonus. It's contentment we need at Christmas. It's contentment. Stephen Hawking is an astrophysicist at Cambridge University, perhaps the most intelligent man on earth. He has advanced in the general theory of relativity farther than any person since Albert Einstein. Unfortunately, Hawking is afflicted with ALS syndrome, Lou Gehrig's disease. It will eventually take his life. He has been confined to a wheelchair for years where he can do little more than sit and think. Hawking has lost the ability even to speak and now he communicates by means of a computer that is operated from the tiniest movement of his fingertips. Quoting from an Omni Magazine article, he is too weak to write, feed himself, comb his hair, fix his glasses. All this must be done for him. Yet this most dependent of all men has escaped invalid status. His personality shines through the messy details of his existence. Hawking said that before he became ill, he had very little interest in life. He called it a pointless existence resulting from sheer boredom. He drank too much and did very little work. Then he learned he had ALS syndrome and was not expected to live more than two years. The ultimate effect of that diagnosis beyond its initial shock was extremely positive. He claimed to have been happier after he was afflicted than before. How can that be understood? This is what Hawking said, and he provided the answer. When one's expectations are reduced to zero, he said one really appreciates everything. Everything. And, and trust me, and I said that disclaimer to say this, I'm not discounting anybody's feelings, what they're going through right now. I have heard, I, some have said that, that, listen, they were discouraged because their bonus was not as big. Then I've had some that were discouraged because they didn't even get a bonus. But then some were discouraged because their hours were cut back. But then some were discouraged because they were laid off. Preacher, what are you saying? We need to, we need to look at the big picture. Uh, there, was a, there was an Amish man, a Quaker, who was watching the neighbor move in. Listen, with all his furnishings and his expensive toys that that successful people collect. The Quaker finally went over to his new neighbor and said, Neighbor, if ever thou dost need anything, come to see me, and I will tell thee how to get along without it. Henry David Thoreau said this, the naturalist of the 1800s. He said, listen, he reminded us that a man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. Did you get that? A man is wealthy in proportion to the number of things he can afford to do without. Ron Ballou, a financial advisor, uh, sometimes you hear him on the radio. Uh, Ron Ballou, he, he went and visited a rural village in Africa. He asked one of the villagers, he said, what is the biggest problem in your village? And he was expecting to hear 
food, uh, 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 medical supplies, you know, they were needing. He fully expected to hear that. But the man, he said this. He said, and he was really not prepared for the response he received. The man said, materialism. Materialism? I mean, they're in a rural village in Africa, in the middle of nowhere, where they have no running water, no electricity, none of this stuff. He said, materialism. He said, what do you mean? He said, if a man had a mud hut, he wants one of stone. If he has a thatch roof, he wants a tin roof. If he has one acre, he wants two. I'm telling you, it's materialism. What are you saying? I used to think materialism was a disease in our country because God has blessed our country so much and we're so, so spoiled with it. But it's not. It's a heart disease. Because you can have it in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a wealthy neighborhood here in the United States, but then you can have it in a rural village in Africa. I, I, read another, I read another quote from a man that said his name. He was a very wealthy man. He said, how much money does a man have to have before he feels rich? He said, one million more than what he has. Ted Turner. Ted Turner, when he was asked about feeling contented and feeling like he was a success. He says, no, I don't feel like a success. He said, what do you mean? He says, it's all relative. He said, yes, I have $10 billion, but Bill Gates has $100 billion. I feel like a total failure. Now, before you go to saying, yeah, boy, I tell you what, I wish I had it. Wait a minute. There are people today that wish they had your money. I told you it was convicting. Listen, what, what will make us have a happy Christmas? I wanted to come in here. I did. And, I, man, I, I wept with those that was weeping this week. And I, I, I carry that stuff. And I feel like I've got to fix everything. I've got to, I've got to do everything. And, Lord, we got, what do we got? We got, man, they're going to have, they need, they got children. They need presents. And, boy, God jerked my chain. We've got to, you say, well, oh, you ought not talk about this. When are we going to talk about it? What does God have to do to get our attention? You know what? I don't really have to preach about it. God's in control of the economy. He's going to teach us a lesson. Preacher, what are you getting at? Let me show you three quick things before I'm shot. Number one, we're talking about contentment. I looked that word up. It means to hold up a barrier. Oh, hold up a barrier? And then it dawned on me. How many of you have been to a restaurant and they said, any more tea or any more coke? You, I'm fine. Or, or would you like any more whatever? And you, you hold up your hand. No? I'm fine. What does that mean? You're, you're, you're satisfied. You don't need any more. Y'all with me? Now, there's three things I want to show you about contentment that we're going to learn. And, and, and trust me, you can learn it the easy way or you can learn it the hard way, but you're going to learn it. Because you need to understand, uh, we, have, we have started a process in this church, and it's, it's kind of like this. Uh, the Lord is saying this, ready or not, here I come. We started it in January. We started it when we started making the changes. Lord, we want to be Christ-like. Lord, we want to be like you. Lord, we want to do everything we can. We are doing this. We don't care about what the world thinks. We don't care about what religious folks think. Lord, we're making these changes because we want to be Christ-like. We want to be more like you. And he says, okay. 
The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Okay, if you want to be like me, let's go. Yeehaw. Amen. I can tell you're thrilled about it. Amen. About as thrilled as I was when he showed me this. You remember what Jesus said? Are you, are, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? You know, if we really want to be like Christ, we've got to take the whole deal. We want to wear the crown of resurrection, but we don't want to wear the cross of crucifixion. Amen. Number one, write this down. I, it gets better, trust me. I promise you it gets better. I hope. Amen. Number one. Number one, the scope of contentment. The scope of contentment. Preacher, what should I be contented with? What should I be content? What should I be satisfied with? What should I be, be able to hold up my hand and say, Lord, I'm happy with that? What should I be contented with? Well, the Bible gives us this. The Bible gives us this in Timothy. In 1 Timothy 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having, and having food and, and having, let us therewith be content. Preacher, what's that mean? I'm, I've looked around, and I don't see any malnourished people. I walked into my house last night, and, 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 and you know that Pillsbury Doughboy when they, my little daughter went and done that to me. <laughs> Stuck me right. I said, I'll break you down right here in front of everybody. You know, church, we're doing okay. But I had a, I had a bologna sandwich. Throw it in the frying pan, baby. Amen. You know, I've seen, I've seen on TV and, 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 and watch, and, and I don't like watching because it depresses me. But you see those, those, those pots of porridge when those, in those villages in Africa when they're trying to feed those starving people, and they dip, and it, it don't even look edible. But they're standing in line for miles to get it. Your bologna looks pretty good now, don't it? You know, when we get in trouble, when we compare... You remember the story? You remember the story of, of, that Jesus told about the man who went in the village and hired some fellows to come work for a certain amount of money? They came and worked. About, about mid-afternoon, he got some more, and then later on he got some more and promised them all a certain amount. And they all agreed to it and was happy, I mean happy as can be, to get that what he was going to pay. Till when he went to dishing out the money. The guys that were hired first that worked all day got upset because they were getting the same amount of money as the guys that worked for just a little bit. And Jesus was saying, he said, look, isn't it my money? Didn't you agree to work for such a... Wasn't you happy with that? And am, am I allowed to do what I want with what I have that belongs to me? And you know what? I begin to think, man, my house is okay till I start looking at somebody else's house. Man, my truck is running fine till I see somebody else's. Everything's great till we look at somebody else's. Man, my little bologna sandwich was fine till somebody came and sat down beside me with a pepperoni pizza. 
then I go from being content to coveting. Preacher, what are you saying? We say the blessing. And we do it so fast, and, I, and I, 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 boy, God convicted me of this. Well, that was a fast blessing. We say it in routine. We don't mean it. Lord, uh, we pray that you'll bless us through our bodies and our bodies your service. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Grit. And we're no more thankful for that than the man in the moon. I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm saying me. I just, I, I, I just confessed. Is anybody like me? And I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting that there's people that would, they would crawl on their knees for miles just to get that sandwich. Here at Christmas, we're upset because we can't buy the latest gadget. The Wii or the PlayStation or whatever it is that's out there. I don't know. When God's saying, but what about what I'm giving you? Our focus is always on that which we don't have, but God's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look down, look what you've got. The scope of our Contentment, it should be in our provided supply. Our provided supply. He says, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Matthew 6, 11. What did Jesus say in his prayer? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Get focused on today. Focus on what's right now. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you all remember when, when, the, when the children of Israel were gathering manna? How much were they supposed to gather? Say it again. Just enough for one day. God didn't want us to hoard anything up. And, and, I, and let me say this too. Let me say this. I don't want nobody to leave here and say, Boy, that preacher, he wants all of us to be poor. Nuh-uh. Believe me. Nuh-uh. You tithe. Amen. I don't want nobody to be poor. Hallelujah. It ain't got nothing to do with that. I think God is trying to open our eyes. Open our eyes. Get our eyes off of what we don't have and get our eyes to what we do have. I was looking, I was looking the other day. And uh <laughs> I hate telling on myself. But I was looking, I was looking at, at the clothes I had in there. And uh and uh man, everything, every one of them clothes has got paint fingerprints on it. Because I'd I'd help Brother Doyle, I'd help Brother Chris and and uh, uh and, and I'd always and, 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 and they always carried rags, but I just. Everything I got's got, and I think, man, I ain't got anything. And then I, then, then it, I got there, I went to a game, and I looked at a little kid that didn't even have a jacket. Food and raiment. Food and raiment. The, 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 the scope of our contentment. But not only that, watch this. Not only our provided supply, but our present state. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Man, I hate that word. Hard enough to say it, much less apply it. Amen, Brother Kendrick? And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
But I rejoice, Philippians 4, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at your last your care of me has flourished again where you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now watch what he says. Not that I respect in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am or condition, in whatsoever state I am, condition I am, therewith to be. Jesus warns us in Luke 12, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. I remember one time when I first got started in my coon hunting career. You got to understand the culture. Because in coon hunting, there are so many liars out there, it's unbelievable. Uh, Bruce, do I have a witness right there? There's people that will lie to you about a dog. There's dog traders. And, 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 and I have learned this about coon hunting. You're either in or you're out. There's no in-between. There's no, well, I can take it. You either love it or you hate it. I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, the first time I went, uh, I showed up at a guy's house. I went because I was trying to get him in church, and nobody else could get him in church, but I was witness, oh, just rough guy. And I said, man, why don't you go? He said, go coon hunting with me. I said, okay. Went and showed up that it was about 12 degrees. It was cold. I showed up with blue jeans and tennis shoes. He saw me get out of my truck and he looked at me and went in his barn, got some boots out, put them on, and, and, uh, and, 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 and I had my jacket and everything. He said, come on. And we, well, we went out with an old black and tan gray dog named Lim. Old Lim. He was about 120 years old in dog years. Hey, man. He was, he was a black and tan, but his old face was gray and and uh, he got out there and struck and went in there and got treed. And, man, I'm excited. And, 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 and boy, he, 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 the gentleman I was with opened up his toolbox and got out a machete and toilet paper. I thought, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but this don't look normal. I said, what are you going to do with that? He said, you'll see. We go, and he starts tearing off a little piece and putting it on a limb. Now, this, you gotta, this was an old-fashioned coon hunter. He didn't believe in compasses, and that was before they had GPSs. Uh, Mark said he's going he's gonna to buy me one and tie to my belt because I can get lost in the closet. I ain't lying. I just, it's, it's unbelievable. But, but he started making a trail to the dogs, and right before we got to the dogs, there was this big, thick, I mean just unbelievably thick uh, briar patch. And he takes that machete and starts hacking his way through it. And I thought, my goodness, get all the way in there, and it's a den tree. Didn't even get to see a coon. It was freezing cold. I mean, we went through all of that, and I was hooked. I had it. I was hooked. It shouldn't have been. I should have hated it. I should have never even liked it. But for some reason, boy, the bug bit me, and I had to have me a coon dog. Are you all with me? Say amen. Bo, can you relate to any of this? Amen. Listen. And I, 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 would, I would go to this, oh, yeah, this is a sure enough dog. This is a sure enough dog. I went to a guy, to, uh, uh, the chicken man in South Carolina. He, he, he got in trouble later on, but anyhow, that's another story. But we, we got a, yes, this is a, man, this is a coon dog. I said, yeah, boy. And, it, and I tell you what, just because you're a young guy, I'm only, I'll sell it to you for $200. $200 for a coon dog. Man, this guy, we, come on, boy, he changes his mind. 
got in there, and this is, I mean, just a big old black and tan with long ears and everything. We cut it loose. Boy, the dogs get out of there. A few minutes, and boy, look at him go. About five minutes later, he comes trotting back. So they must not be running no coon. Put him in the box. We were sitting on the tailgate, and it wasn't just about five minutes. We heard, I turned around, and that dog was sawing logs. Go ahead and laugh. Yeah, when you know you've done it too. Say amen. And about ten more times like that, I said, oh, God. Then I went and got spiritual. I'm going to pray about this situation. Boy, Lord, if I ever did, just get one that would tree by itself. Lord, if I ever got one, I'd be happy. I wouldn't ask for nothing else. Lord, I'd just want, if it would just, Lord, if it just had a kumbaya, I'd be happy. That's a lie. Because I finally got one, little blue choo-choo. Say amen. Little blue female about that big. And you know what? She treated coon by herself. And, but then I wanted one faster. Then I wanted one louder. Then I wanted one that would beat this person. And then I want, and then, and, 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 and. Listen, that's my story. What's yours? Well, I want this house, but then, well, if we could just have this neighborhood, or, or if I could just say, oh, hey, it works the same way in people. Boy, that, uh, boy, if my wife was more like, if I, man, please. You get that one, there'll be something wrong with that one too. There's something wrong with all of them. Men too. <laughs> Men too. Y'all need to get your minds out together, Amen. I'm talking about everybody. Bunch of cowardly men. You see them laughing out there? What's wrong with them? Ladies, ain't there something wrong with all them men? Say amen. The secret is not getting one you think you need to have. The secret is being content where you are. Just being content where you are. Godliness with contentment is great. Uh-huh. My, we're enjoying this, ain't we? Listen, number two. Number two, what was number one? Now, do y'all see what God is trying to help us, what we need to be content with? Our food and raiment, the basic necessities of life, our basic needs. But not only that, but where we are, what we have, the car you drive, the children you have, the wife you have. Listen, the house, everything. Right now, just, just be content. Just be content. I, I know the Bible says that we're, those that are, are, are faithful in, in what's little, God will, God will bless them with more. Maybe it is that, that we're not thankful enough for what we already have. Because it is God that supplies everything. Are we, do we agree on that? Listen, number two. Now, this is where I said you can either do it the hard way or the easy way because this is going to happen. If you're a Christian, if you, if you belong to God, if you are saved, you're going to go through this. Number two, I want you to see the school of contentment. The school of contentment. 
Paul had a doctor's degree in it. The school's teacher. Hey, write this down. I want you to see the school's teacher. Over there in Philippians, watch the terminology that's used. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He said, not that I, res- I-, I speak in respect of want, for I have... Where do you learn that? That's right. That's where you're supposed to learn that. That's what most people do there, amen? They go to school so they can learn. Now watch what he says. For I have learned. This is what I've learned. Whatsoever state I am, therewith to be... Now you've got to understand this. This is not coming from somebody that's been poor his whole life. Me and, me and brother uh, Shane were cutting up talking... Uh, about the economy and everything, he said, "Boy, it's not going to bother us. We've been all we've always been poor, eh, man? You know, it's kind of like that Alabama song about you know uh, uh, the walking in high cotton or something like that." He said, "You know, we were so poor we couldn't tell. You know, everything was bad and everything, but it was all the same dust." This is not coming from somebody like that. This is coming from somebody that was loaded. That was way up in culture. He was way up in society. I mean, he was a top... He was way up there and lost it all. The Bible says he lost everything when he became a Christian. He lost it all. All his wealth, all his fortune, all his fame. Everything. Paul said, I've learned to be content. Verse 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Now watch this. This is what I want you to get. Everywhere and what? In all things I am... All right. Preacher, what school are we going to go to? What is, the, what is the teacher? What is this school's teacher? My life's experiences. My life's experiences. They are teaching me things. What you go through, what you experience, what you see, what you go through in life, they are teaching you things. He said everywhere and in all things. He said everywhere I went... Everything that happened to me, everything that I experienced was a school teaching me how to be content where I was. I didn't have to have a mansion to be content. I didn't have to have a million dollars to be content. I didn't have to have all of that. But it took my life's experiences to get me there. Watch this. Watch this. He says in in 1 Corinthians, same speaker. Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 4.11, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. Paul is talking about his life's experiences. Then he says this in Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3, he's talking about what God did to the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. In other words, he allowed you to get hungry. He allowed that. And fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, watch this, here's here's the deal, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. What are you saying? The children of Israel left Egypt and went into a sorry economy. The children of Israel left what they had, left a supply, and went to nothing. This was wilderness. There was no 7-Elevens. There was no Walmarts. Are y'all with me? There was no Target stores. There was nothing. 
And God allowed it. Matter of fact, He led them there to teach them it is not what this world has to offer that will bring contentment in your life. It's not what you see around you. Your contentment and your satisfaction is only going to be found in me. And God taught them that. He allowed them to lack. He allowed them to do without. He allowed them to go through a difficult time, not because He hated them, but because He loved them, because He knew if He supplied everything right there, they would never see Him for who He was. Job had it all. Job had it all, and he was a good man. The Bible says he was, listen, one of the wealthiest in the East. Listen, he had it all, but God took away his stuff. So that in the last verse, or excuse me, the last chapter of the book of Job, the Bible says, Job said, man, I didn't know I was speaking things I didn't understand. He said, I've heard about you before, but now I can see you. Some of us need that school to help us understand. Just like like Solomon. Solomon had it all, man. He had more wealth and fame and power than any human being that's ever lived before or after. He had it all. He had more money. Nobody could say no to him. He was all powerful. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes is an experiment that he went on. A research project. A research mission. He went high and low. He said, everything there was to do, I did it. Everything there was to buy, I bought it. Everything there was to experience, I experienced it. Wine, women, and song. God allowed one human being on this earth to have everything that this earth could offer. He said, I will find satisfaction under the sun, which means without God. And God did that for a reason. He allowed this to happen to teach each and every one of us that this world cannot satisfy. Nothing this world has to offer will bring satisfaction. Solomon said, this is vanity, vanity. It's left me empty, left me wanting, left me wanting more. All my money, all my power, it's nothing. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Solomon said, I had it all. Inside, I had nothing. Sometimes God has to take away our stuff so we can see Him. Listen, He humbled thee and suffered thee. He allowed you to get hungry so He could feed you with manna. He might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone. He don't want you looking at your boss or your supply. He don't want you looking at Anything this world has to offer to give you what you need, it's Him and Him alone. The school's teacher is my life's experiences. Then I like this one. The school's tutor. The school's tutor is my Lord's encouragement. A tutor. Somebody helps you. Listen. Get through what you're trying to learn. Usually, a tutor is one-on-one. What does that mean? 
Brother Mickle, that means we're all in the same school. We're all in the bad economy. But don't everybody have a tutor? Say, where are you getting this from? Because right after he said, where I learned to be a base and a bound, and I learned to suffer hunger and, 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 and all this stuff, he said, right after that, he said, but I got to tell you all this, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. He said, I'm going to be all right through this school time because I got a tutor. I got somebody that's going to help me through this time. He said, be content with where you are. Why? Because I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. <laughs> if nobody's getting help, I am. He's going to walk through us with it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This school's going to be rough, but I got a tutor. Listen, listen, when the devil comes to you and tries to discourage you and say, you ain't going to make it, say, devil, I got a tutor. Get out of my face. The Lord's going to walk with us. He's going to help us. <laughs> Amen, preacher. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. And such, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Church, say amen. What was number one? Number two. How many of y'all have experienced that school here lately? Listen, we got to, we got to pray that God will give us wisdom to learn what we need to learn. So why do I need to do that so you don't have to take the class over? What happens, Miss Kathy, what happens if you fail a class? What do you got to do? Got to take it over. You know, this is no different. Because if we have a problem in some area and God puts us through a school to deal with it and we don't deal with it, you know what he's going to do? He's going to send us right back through it. Hallelujah. Number three, this is a good part. The source of content. What was number one? Number two? Number three. I want you to see this. The source of content. Hebrews 13, 5. Says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Man, I hate that word. Kendrick, do you know how to say that word? Covetousness? Too many sisters. All right. Covetousness. Covetousness. All right. Mr. Barry, can you say that? Say it. You know, there's one in every crowd. You couldn't mess it up just to be a blessing to me, could you? You just had to do Okay. All right. Watch what it says. Be content with such things as ye have. For watch, watch this. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. You know what I think he's trying to teach us? Look, what really, really going to give you contentment in life is me being with you. You remember when Moses, he said, he said uh, Lord, if thou go not with us, then I don't want to go. 
if your presence doesn't go with us, then we just won't stay here. You know why? He knew his presence is where true contentment and peace is going to be found. I got verses for you. Listen, write this. A, what's the source of contentment, preacher? A, finding the presence of God. Finding the presence of God. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing you can be, you can be lower than a snake in a wagon track? I mean, you can be so depressed your lips dragging the floor, got carpet burns on your chin. You come in here and all you think about your problems until somebody sings, what a day that will be. When my Jesus, I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Son, something starts to happen. You get to feeling something. I promise you it was not what you ate this morning. The Holy Spirit begins to move. And he and, and the Holy Spirit, your tutor, he begins to tell you, it's all right. I know it's rough out there. I know the bombs are falling. I know Satan's fighting. And I know, I know things look bad. You may not have a bonus. You may not have a job. You may not have anything. But I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You may lose everything on this side, but trust me, what you got on this side is a whole lot better than what you got down there. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Listen, my Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. I don't care what the economy does. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what the bank account says. I will never leave thee. The psalmist said, listen, I'm old. I've been young. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm just saying this. Don't, listen, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. He will show up right on time. His clock is not your clock. His timing is not your timing. They said he's too dead. It's too late. He's too far gone. He said get the stone out the way. Lazarus, come forth. I think we need to get the stone of doubt. I think we need to get the stone of fear. I think we need to get the stone of distrust out of the way and put our faith and confidence back in God. God wants it to be hopeless. So when He shows up, He gets all the glory. He said, don't go down there with all the army, Gideon. He said, listen, let's thin the herd. That's way too many. Because if all you do it, you're going to claim the victory. But son, let me tell you, the battle is the Lord. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are impossible. Listen, the Word says, is there anything too hard for God? Can God provide a table in the wilderness? Let me tell you, He provided a table. He provided manna from heaven. He provided quail as much as they could eat. He provided a stream of water, crystal clear water coming out of a rock. God can meet your need. I don't care what it looks like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There was a Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh behind them, closing in, trying to make them scared to death. But the very 
words that God told him was stand still and know that I am God. Stand still and quit worrying. Stand still and don't fear. Be not afraid. It is I. I will meet your need. Say amen. Feel God right now. Amen. You need to understand His presence is what you need. Not presence under the tree. His presence in your heart. It's not, listen, it's not wealth in your hand. It's His presence in your heart. It didn't matter where you are or what's going on. If He's walking up and down inside of your heart, you can walk naked without anything and be happy. Listen, people that don't, people live in huts and people listen in, in, in faraway countries who have rags on their back are more happy than most of us with all the suits that man can buy. God's trying to get that out of us. He's trying to do that this year and let us see, listen, Christmas is not about me and it's not about you. It's not about what we can give. It's not about how many presents we can buy. Too many people connect. They connect what they're able to buy or what they're able to give with their own self-worth, their own self-esteem. If they can't give their children this or if they can't give their grandchildren that, then they're nobody. That's a lie from the devil. And I bought the same lie. What are my kids going to think if I can't get? If that's the case, then we need to retrain them. Amen? We need to retrain them. Well, if we don't, who's going to? And then see what's going to happen. They're going to grow up, and if they can't buy something, and we know that's not that's not real. But we're training them to do the same stupid thing we're doing. Somebody's got to break the cycle. <laughs> it's not about. Are y'all with me? his birthday the source of contentment is going to be in him Philippians 3 7 but what things were gained to me those I counted loss watch what he says yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord now watch what he says for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. All things. His houses, his lands, his fortune, his fame. He says, I do count them but dung. That's manure, y'all. He said, to me that ain't nothing. To me that ain't nothing. That I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, but which is of the law, but that which is... Through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Watch this. That I may know Him. Sometimes I think stuff gets in the way of us knowing Him. Those crutches that we have, that we depend on and not Him, it keeps us from knowing Him like He wants us to know Him. The power of His resurrection. See, that's what we all want. We all want that woo, that walking, getting up stuff, but we forget about the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. Exodus 33, 15. And he said unto him, this is Moses telling God, if thy presence go not with me, carry, not, carry us not up hence. Psalm 16, 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. 
At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 84.10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Job 42.5 says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. You know what, Brother Kenneth? After everything that Job lost, I would be willing to bet, and I'm not a better, just terminology, that he would be saying, from what I see now, it was worth it. To go through what I went through, it was worth it for me to be able to see God like I see Him now. Some of us are so comfortable. We don't depend on it. Dad said an interesting thing to me right after he moved up here. Didn't have anything. I mean, it was just a bad way for a little bit of time there. And He said, man, I've preached about faith my entire life, throughout my whole ministry, and I never knew what faith was till I really had to have it. You know what he was saying? I heard of it. Boy, now I can... Where's the source of contentment? It's in the presence that we find. But then, in the purpose that we fulfill, fulfilling the purpose of God. In the book of John, chapter number 15, John 15, it says, and it's, it's, the, it's the story of the vine and the branches. Y'all remember that one? I'm the vine, ye are the branches. You abide in me and I in you, and ye shall bear much fruit. He says, without me ye can do nothing. He said, herein is my Father glorified. Herein is my Father. In other words, this is the purpose for your life. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. In other words, you fulfilling your purpose, you're bearing fruit and glorifying God. But watch, this is this part I want you to get. Can you put that? There you go. Go to that next verse. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in I love. Now watch this next verse. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Watch verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Now see, we're talking about contentment, right? That, all right, when we're fulfilling the purpose, when we are glorifying God, when we are bearing fruit, fulfilling the purpose of God, watch what we're going to have. These things have I spoken unto you that my, my, my joy might remain in you and that your might be. You know what the word fool means? Can't get no more. You ever been that that place where you was just so happy you was just about to bust? I mean, you just, you couldn't even talk. You couldn't even, it's just, I see some of y'all need some of that. Let me go back to my coon hunting story. Little blue choo-choo. She's that big, little bee thing. Blue tick. Call her choo-choo. She's so loud. Loud. I mean, like a lion loud. One night, I was still in that phrase, oh, God, please give me something. I mean, it would really look up a tree and bark at least once or twice. Everybody else had one. I didn't have one. 
and, 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 and them dogs struck. And, and here goes Choo Choo and Patches. Patches was English red tick, Brother Bruce, English dog. They fell through and fell, went through a pine thicket. Now, that's not always a good sign when you're coon hunting. That usually means it's a deer. Well, all of a sudden, when they come out of the pine thicket and went into the oak, and I'm almost done. This is the last story, and we're going to pray. They hit that, they hit that branch and Patches fell tree. Oh, 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 oh. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Choo-choo, please. She just kept right on going. Oh, oh, just keep. Get in there, Patches has a coon. I'm figuring, well, Choo-choo's running the deer. I was so depressed. We got Patches and got in the truck and tried to go cut off Choo-choo. And uh, we got in there and Brother Mick, we could hear. And, uh, She's in there. She she just oh just wasn't moving, just barking. And uh just bawling up the tree. And uh I didn't know it was a tree. I thought she just in there wouldn't, wouldn't come out. So I said, I'll go in there and get her. I went to a little fence there and, and about 20, 30 yards inside that little branch, I could see just good enough to I see her. I said, Choo choo, come on. She was looking at me. Oh You better come on. Oh, What's wrong with you? Come on. I was mad. Oh, just looking at me. I said, hang on, I'll go get her, and I'm climbing the fence. About the time I get to her, she's standing right at the base of a tree. And for some reason, I just looked up. You ain't going to believe what was there. <laughs> Biggest coon you ever saw. I was like, uh, uh. Oh, she's got a coon! I mean, a real one. I can see it. If y'all don't believe me, I got it stuffed in my office right now. Oh, gosh. I couldn't even talk. I was so happy. I mean, I was so excited. Woo! I finally got one, a treated coon. And some of y'all need to lighten up. If you had a coon dog, you'd be happy too. I was at, I was at the Autumn Oaks one day. And I was with Wilford and, and Wayne and all them and them dog traders. you got to watch them dog traders. A little young guy come up to him and said, Well, this dog tree, he said, Son, you'd be tickled to death to see that dog tree. He left. He said, I'd be tickled to death to see that dog tree. Amen. Look. Are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you fulfilling what God's called you to do? But I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. Everybody's got a purpose. I was asking Brother Josh, we were talking the other day, and I said, can you tell I like what I do? He said, Lord, yeah. You know where that contentment comes from? Fulfilling the purpose that God has called me to. You know, I think a lot of us are discontented because we're not in the place that God wants us to be. There are people that need to be out there tonight in that Awana program that's not fulfilled the call of God, and God's already put it on their heart, but they won't surrender to it, and they wonder why they ain't happy. Trust me, y'all. Trust me. Trust me. If I have time to do it, you have time to do it. 
I'm not trying to push off something on somebody else. I'm in the middle of them right with them. Having the time of my life. What is God calling you to do that you ain't done? Preacher, but you don't know what's happening in the economy. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I know this. We're in school. We are in school. Let's don't go through this school and waste it. Let's don't go through this school and whine about how bad it is. Let's go through this school and say, okay, God, you're going to get me through this. You're my tutor. You're my help. You're my encourager. And listen, church, don't nobody leave and say, boy, he was picking on me. No, I wasn't. I was preaching to me. I was preaching to me. Listen, you say, but your job, okay, my job is based solely on giving. So if it all quits, where do you think I'm at? Do you think I don't have anything to worry about? Preacher, what are you going to do? Do whatever God tells me to do. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I can. I'll paint. I'll flip hamburgers. Hello. We'll just do what we got to do. Whatever God provides for us to do, that's what we'll do. And then watch him provide. Watch him provide. And I promise you this. He's not going to let us down. Be content with the things that you have. For he has said, I will never nor curse a man. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.